Hey y'all, welcome to Couture Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Steele. Hi, everyone. Olivia, my sister and co-founder, was invited to Luxury Daily's sixth annual Women in Luxury e-conference. As you may remember, she was one of the women named as Luxury Daily's 2023 Luxury Women to Watch. It's a list of women who are set to make a mark in the world of luxury. This episode was recorded during last April's interview about balancing the physical and digital personas. Olivia was interviewed with Jesse Doss, Chief Marketing Officer at Diptyque, by Jennifer Woodring, Vice President of Customer Experience and Brand Collaborations at Luxury Portfolio International. Enjoy the episode. I'd like to invite Jennifer Woodring, who is the Vice President of Customer Experience and Brand Collaborations from Luxury Portfolio international, which is my alter ego, my other life. And Jen is my number two there. And Jen comes from the world of luxury. When I rebuilt luxury portfolio, I was looking for luxury marketers. And I was very fortunate to have Jen join us. She has served at Neiman Marcus at the Trump Hotel Chicago. She also worked with the Stanford Mall, which is Simon Property Group Mall. So she has sterling credentials from luxury. So I think she's just the right person to moderate this next session of focused on, you know, how do you balance the physical with the digital personas if you're a luxury brand? And with that, Jen, it's all yours. So you have a great 45 minutes and I will uh, cheer you from the background. Thank you for that great introduction, Mickey. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you all. I'm delighted. I'm thrilled to be on the session with Olivia and Jesse. If you guys want to turn on your cameras, well, yes, we're going to get digital right now. Every time I hear the title of the session, Olivia Newton-John gets stuck in my head and I've been singing all morning long, but I'll spare you all my singing voice. So what is digital marketing? It is the blending and practice between physical and digital marketing strategies to create a seamless and immersive customer experience. Well, I feel like omni-channel has been a buzzword for years now. And I've been reading that that terminology is fading. And at the end of the day, the consumer is channelless. So strategies need to have that 360 approach that is cohesive, intentional, and convenient. So again, I'm thrilled to have Olivia and Jesse here to discuss their digital strategies, best practices, and much more. So quickly, Olivia and Jesse, I'd love to int- for you to introduce yourselves. Perfect. Good morning, Jen. Thanks for having us today. By way of introduction, my name is Jesse Dodd. I'm the CMO of Diptyque Americas. I'm pretty new in this role. I'm about two months into the role here at Diptyque. I spent the past six years at Shiseido, where I was most recently the VP of marketing across Shiseido and Clay Depot Bote brands. Also at Shiseido, I held an earlier role as an internal coach and consultant to all of the brands in the Shiseido portfolio on their digital marketing and media strategies. Prior to Shiseido, I led e-commerce for the Theory and Helmet Lang fashion brands within the fast retailing portfolio. And prior to that experience, I led global digital marketing as well as North American media on the Clinique brand at the Estee Lauder companies. 
I've also worked in an interactive media startup in financial services and in an agency. I have a mix of experience that spans global marketing as well as local market teams. And I've worked from brand marketing to performance marketing throughout my career. Perfect. Thanks so much, Jesse. And Olivia. So thank you again for having me here. I appreciate it. I started my career in luxury in the buying offices of Eileen Fisher. Then I moved over to the Ivy League e-learning area where I was with Cornell for several years. And I discovered a pretty big gap, skills gap in the luxury marketplace through my own lackluster shopping experience online. So I co-founded my company, Conversation Couture, the House of Retail Education, where we created the only virtual retail sales certification programs worldwide, where we educate on how to parallel an in-person luxury level shopping experience online to drive sales through the digital and virtual sales channels. Hopefully that wasn't too short. (laughs) Snapshot. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you to the best people I have on this panel. We're going to get so much out of this conversation. Um, A quick reminder to the audience, we'll be taking questions. So on the control panel on your right-hand side, feel free to throw in a question in there and I'll ask it or I'll turn your mic on. So please don't be shy. We encourage the engagement from you all. So Olivia, I'll start with you. Our first question is, how do you define digital marketing and how does it differ from traditional marketing approaches? And can you give some examples of successful campaigns or strategies? So I view this a little bit differently than I'm sure Jesse is going to view it just based on our differences and our backgrounds. But I see digital marketing and you know digital marketing as a trifecta in my mind, where you have the goal of driving traffic, whether that to be in person or online. And then you have the necessary technology to facilitate that. And then the third tier is the necessary training in order to maximize both the traffic and the technology you've invested in. So traditionally, only driving traffic to in-store is going to be a different approach than driving traffic to online. And where, I mean, when we're thinking about driving traffic online, we're lucky if we get 12 seconds of someone's attention with an ad. And so one of the biggest questions I get from business owners, CEOs is, how can I know that my ad spend is going to justify you know, the time spent a customer puts online or goes into the store. And my response to that is always, 98% of people are doing research on your company before they're even stepping foot into your store physically. So it is imperative that brands jump onto this digital bandwagon because it affects every other aspect of their business. It affects sales. And without sales, we don't really have a business. We have a passion project. So (laughs) I think that the digital marketing has a unique opportunity to really define who they want their customers to be and who they're targeting. You know, are depending on the demographics that you're looking for, you have so much more of a reach and an opportunity. So I say sky's the limit if your budget allows for it, because you're then able to have it benefit the rest of your business. And if 98% of people are you know, doing a little bit of research on your company, I genuinely do not see the harm in giving it your best effort forward. That's great. Thank you. And any, um, no, I was going to say any campaigns or strategies, successful strategies that you've seen out there that you think have really grasped this approach nicely? 
So personally, I think in general, a couple of industries that I'm seeing that are emerging that are doing a really great job is actually the car industry right now. So the car industry is totally revamping their vision, especially the luxury car industry. They're totally revamping their way on how they're communicating with their customers. And I mean, they have a a lackluster, (laughs) you know, customer viewpoint in many ways, especially for women, right? So if we're here talking about women in the digital marketing space, it's how can we target women and, and men as well to come and view these luxury brands more so than just beauty or retail, but how can we target them in a unique way? And so I think Maserati has done a really great job of this recently. Thank you for that. And Jesse, we talked about this before, but you know, at LPI, Diptyque is our signature scent on the candles that we use, the Figuier candle. And when we went to select this candle, we had such a beautiful experience at the Chicago boutique where Sarah, the manager, walked us around. We scented all of the candles. She not only described the notes, but there was a story behind each candle. And it was such a fabulous... I was there for for an hour and a half. I just didn't want to leave. It was such a (laughs) fun time. So I guess my same question to you, but how do you blend that, you know, physical presence into the media world, the digital world? We really do have a beautiful in-store, in-boutique experience here at Diptyque. And you're right, Jen, there's so much thoughtful storytelling and so much that goes into this brand from the oval to the dancing letters to our typography. There's just so much beauty and art here. I loved Olivia's description, what we're talking about within the digital landscape as a trifecta. I agree that this really is a trifecta that's holistic, comprehensive, and integrated. It meets the consumer where they are on the platforms that they prefer. The approach that I take here at Diptyque is completely channel agnostic. I think traditionally, a lot of brands were very siloed. They were taking traditional approaches that didn't involve AI. And of course, we know with the influx of digital, we now have far more segments to address far deeper creative requirements, more variants across all of the approaches and channels. I would also add that this approach that we're taking, it really requires equal inputs from in-store as well as the digital worlds to bring those learnings together, to apply them digitally, but also to apply them in-store and in boutique. So these worlds truly are completely blending. Perfect. Thank you so much. And how can luxury brands balance the desire for exclusivity when being digital and accessible to to the masses? And how do you think being accessible helps build strong relationships with the consumer and brand loyalty? So Olivia, why don't you take that one first? Oh my gosh, Jeffy, first, I couldn't agree with you more. It's so imperative that in-person and online are integrated and they're operating and paralleling. It's actually why I created our certification programs to begin with. So it's music to my ears that a, a woman in your level is, is talking to that. So the when you're thinking about that balance, I think that a lot of brands are scared and apprehensive 
because they're worried about losing exclusivity. And maybe this is just the eternal optimist in me, but I view it as a massive opportunity to target and to define ways you're going to be talking to your customers. Every single brand is created because they believe what they're creating is different and unique from everything in the masses. So for example, you have a jewelry brand or a beauty brand, super saturated market. Why are there so many emerging right now? Because they believe that they're doing something different than everybody else. And that's imperative that that's showcased when the person comes to your store, whether it be online or in person immediately. The beauty of the virtual online world is that you're able to capture that immediately. You don't have to wait for them to come in anymore and have a luxury level experience. You can capture that through an ad, but more importantly, capture that as soon as they arrive to your website. Treat it like a front door. You know, you get greeted. You are made to feel special. And this is an opportunity that brands have to define. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when uh, brands really get there. And so, yeah, I don't see it as limiting exclusivity because luxury in itself weeds out masses because it is something to be strived for. I think it was Coco Chanel who has many famous quotes, but luxury is a feeling, but it's also with a very expensive price tag. So, so when you're thinking about owning a Coco Chanel, you know, tweed suit, classic, right? You work up to that level of luxury. And I wouldn't worry about exclusivity because luxury is exclusive in its own essence. So opportunity all the way. <laughs> Thank you. And Jesse, would you like to add on to that? I agree. Being digital today is table stakes for all brands. And to me, digital breaks down those barriers and actually makes luxury discoverable and makes the category more accessible to consumers who wouldn't otherwise be able to experience these beautiful brands, for example, because of geography. I also believe that the digital experience invites younger consumers into the fold to participate to explore luxury brands, even if those brands might be a little bit more aspirational for them at that time. And it allows us as luxury marketers to really build that mind share with the younger consumers in ways that solidify a lifelong connection with these customers. I also believe that social media and the metaverse really make the barriers to luxury different than they used to be. When you think about it, you needed to make a special trip to a luxury boutique before the days of digital. And now these brands are just a search away, a click away on a mobile device for all consumers. And for us at Diptyque, the power of social and digital is really enabling us to reach a younger clientele, have a deeper connection with them. And it's a very positive channel and development for us. I wanted to just tack on to that is it's when you, Jesse, totally, I wanted to just say that when we're thinking about, you know, the reach of customers, that's actually something that we talk to a lot at my company is there's not a store location physically in every single city, unless you're an LVMH brand and even okay. still, they're still far and few between. So cost effective wise, when we're thinking about a growing business, 
the reach that you have in the digital world is uncapped. And so someone goes shopping in Paris. You know, Murray Dristel always loves to talk about Paris. So I will I'll tack on to that. Um, I'll talk about Paris with you all day. <laughs> so, so you have an incredible experience in Paris. I'll give an example of a perfume experience. Actually, so it's super relevant for both of us, Jesse. I had this amazing experience with a perfumery in, in Paris. And I would have loved to maintain that relationship with that boutique in Paris. However, at the time, it was 2012, and this was not possible. But now it is. And the sales specialists have a unique opportunity to be able to develop that relationship and retain their customer base when they go home. And they're able to recreate that experience, that luxury level experience virtually again for their customers. So when I say opportunity, I really mean... Your reach and able to retain your customer base is so high. That's all I want to say. I mean, I would love to have a personal shopper or whatnot somewhere in the boutique <laughs> in Paris setting me <laughs> things. That sounds fabulous. So, Jesse, what are some repercussions if you don't hop on this digital bandwagon? Great question, Jen. I would say that taking this digital approach. It's incredibly hard work. This is why many brands aren't where they need to be today. Specific to luxury, our consumers are extremely discerning. And taking this approach really unifies the experience for our customers. I would add that delivering a top-notch consumer experience, it's necessary to even be in the consideration set. It has to be consistent across all channels and all of those channels have to be firing consistently. So the digital message has to be the same as the message in boutique and in the wholesale channel in the department stores. Playing off of something Olivia was talking about earlier, we know that so many of the in-store sales are digitally influenced. A lot of researchers say it's 40%, I believe, that it's much, much higher than that. We know that the young luxury consumer is on their mobile devices. They prefer to shop there. So for brands who aren't on this bandwagon, Jen, and aren't operationalizing this, there's a lot at stake here. Um, a couple of other points in terms of attribution here digitally. Affluent luxury consumers sometimes own more devices. So it makes it difficult for today's digital marketers to stitch together the full attribution journey that some of the consumers are on. But I would say that being able to measure the in-store conversion that took place as a result of a digital campaign or a conversion that was somehow digitally influenced really is the holy grail. And while digital is important. The last thing I'll say on this is that some brands actually overinvested in digital, right? So they thought that they could go to market with a social or an influencer approach only. And we're reading now about more and more brands that are realizing they overinvested in digital. The in-store investment was not where it needed to be. And so they're bringing that investment back in store 
and really balancing that investment strategy now. Thank you, Olivia. Yeah, so tacking right onto that is I hear the same exact things, Jesse. So it's it's empowering brands to take control of their messaging. When we're allowing social media influencers to control the narrative, that's not the brand controlling or you know taking a stand on who they're wanting to be targeting. That's giving power to someone who is working for several other brands too. It's not just yours. So that customized, unique messaging is only best coming from the brand itself. So for me, when I'm thinking about you know the repercussions of you know this not happening for some brands, my question back to them is how are you looking to grow as a company if you're not wanting to jump on what is necessary to stay relevant in the space? And also brands that are taking control of the narrative themselves, the ones that are doing a one-to-one live stream experience on their websites with incoming customers, they're seeing an exceptional uptick. So I like to call it or say, how much money are you leaving on the virtual table? Where if you're not capitalizing on customers that are arriving to your website, we're not taking advantage of all the incredible technology that's out there to facilitate that. Tech is really there to connect a human-to-human interaction. And then the biggest missing piece is actually the training aspect of it. Whenever I talk to sales professionals on the sales floor, they are apprehensive and nervous to get into a virtual setting because it's so foreign to them. And so, but we need them to get on board because they know the products better than anybody. They're able to say, oh, you like this? Well, these three other things go with it. They're able to engage and grow their relationship with people virtually better because they're able to talk to someone about the products in a very streamlined way because that's how they've been trained to do it. We just need to empower them to do it virtually, to jump on a one-to-one. If the store is dead, there's no foot traffic coming in. Jump on the chat box. Jump on a virtual live stream to adhere to the incoming stream of this beautiful marketing strategy (laughs) of driving that traffic into the store, into the uh, digital store, and capitalizing on all those opportunities. I can't tell you how many times I see brands have a conversion rate online that's less than 2%. That is, oh my gosh, that just is nails on a chalkboard to me because it's, it's like, how are we missing this opportunity? So that's why I stress so greatly that your best assets are your employees that are working for you in store and training them and getting them up to, up to level to feel confident and empowered to be able to facilitate both an in-person and an online experience. Now, through a lot of research and doing some, you know, statistic gathering, (laughs) there are people who are far more comfortable in the digital world and people who are far more comfortable in the in-person world. That is fine. But as a brand, we need to create roadmaps to distinguish what that's going to look like internally. Are you going to have a part of your company that is dedicated to communicating online or do you want it to be integrated? Or a little bit of both, which I recommend. You know, a little bit of a digital team only, but also getting the stores clued in and giving the sales specialists an opportunity to drive more sales for their location. Because when I was a long, long, long time ago working on a sales floor, you have 
competition with other with other locations. And tapping into that as a brand is another way to grow this virtual sales channel. So for me, the repercussions is how are you planning to stay relevant in this changing world? When you create that roadmap, what is the first step you recommend to dipping your toe in that, that path? Yeah. So my first thing is we want to look at where you are currently. Are, do you already have technology that's facilitating interactions online? Or are you starting from scratch? If you're starting from scratch, great. Let's talk about what kind of experience you want to have your customers experience. Because every brand is going to be a bit different, right? They're going to want to have well, I want to make sure my customers, you know, feel like the products that they select are going to be really beneficial and they're going to want to come back long term. Or it is a brand where they're going to buy one handbag a year and we want to make sure that it's the best one with all the features, every single aspect that they truly want. Fortunately, there's so much technology out there that facilitates one-to-one interactions. And also, it just really depends on the brand. I'll just, I'll stop there to not go over time here, but yeah. um, it depends on where the brand is currently. Thank you. That's a great setup for that. And I think a very basic digital marketing moment, I think, is when I was working at Neiman's, this was what, 2017, pre COVID, pre everything, they started a box buy online, pick up, and store, right? And it was all new. And I thought, wow, who who would do this? This is so interesting. Okay, let's go with it, right? Yeah. Moving forward, what, five, 10 years later, after COVID, I am here for BioLine pickup and store. I'm here for curbside pickup, like all of that. But I think that is an interesting way of saying it, head of the curve, right? How do you, what does the future of digital marketing look like? And how do you strive to stay ahead of that curve? Jesse, why don't you take that? I think it starts with, the teams. So marketing teams of the future are going to have a fundamentally different composition and DNA. Many of the marketers that I encounter today are functional specialists. So they're experts in brand marketing, channel marketing, search, social, CRM, media, PR, or influencer. Some might even be focused on a single channel. So e-commerce, retail, or wholesale. I encourage everyone on my team to become a generalist, to get curious about everything that's happening across all of the channels, including sales, so that there are no silos. In terms of staying ahead, I agree with what Olivia is saying about the importance of the in-store experience. Nothing is more powerful than making those store visits, understanding what's happening not only from the department staff there, the management, everyone in store, really observing consumers, getting curious, and really understanding what's happening at a local level. Nothing can replicate that experience of understanding what's happening for consumers in store. And this, in turn, enables us to develop the best, most strategic digital approaches. Thank you. Olivia, how do you stay ahead of the curve? I think when I'm such a visual person, so whenever I'm thinking of a curve, I'm thinking of a circle, really, and how we're able to bring it back full circle. And 
when we're having conversations, I think it was, I think it was the new CEO, Giorgio Armani, who's actually going in person in Europe to a bunch of store locations where he is literally interviewing store sales associates to get the beat on the street, to get an understanding of what people are asking for. So in my opinion, if a customers are asking for something, a brand is late. So if they're asking for an experience, we're late to the party. We need to be the ones innovating and we need to be the ones educating the customer, not the other way around. And we need to find ways to be innovative internally. And that's what we actually help brands do <laughs> with our roadmap and, and, and with you know training and, and, cert- and certifying their people. But, but more importantly, it's, it's what the brand is capable of doing if they just know what their customers are asking for. And gathering that information is priceless. You can run a virtual campaign all you want, but these individuals who are working with their people every single day, day in, day out, there's a beautiful mall here in Dallas, Texas, that has these little kiosks that interview people. And I found that to be so interesting. And so all of these analytic companies that are coming out to analyze what customers are really looking for is actually something that I think brands have a huge opportunity to to really use to their own benefit. So I think it's a combination of understanding the beat on the street and also using the market research that's at our fingertips. Because we have people literally in malls interviewing people to gather this information. And then it's the brand's responsibility to roll it out, essentially, in their own words. So yeah, I hope hopefully that answered your question. No, yeah. And those kiosks, I don't know if you've received any of that data. If you have or haven't, what do you think is that number one thing customers are looking for right now? Customers want to feel heard and understood. That hasn't changed in decades. But the difference is, is that they want to know, they want to feel like they are special more so than ever. And Inclusivity has never been more important to the consumer base. I can't stress enough for brands to have their own voice, but also realize the power they have to make their diverse and beautiful customer base feel included in the conversation. So, and that can be interpreted in any way a brand wants to take it. But what I think most importantly, and I don't think this is ever going to change, (laughs) but maybe it will, is just feeling heard and understood. And if they resonate, if they feel like a brand hears them, that a brand resonates with them, that they feel understood by this brand, you have a very loyal customer. And not only are they going to be loyal, but they're going to tell their whole entire network about you. Mm -hmm. So it starts with a really incredible marketing plan, getting that traffic in, exceeding expectations with a luxury level experience and making sure your customers, what they're saying to you is top tier in your brain when you're, when you're rolling things out internally. Jesse, what do you think is that? I, I would say, you know, you really have to be completely consumer obsessed and anticipate all of those needs to your point, Olivia, before they're asking about it. Perfect. And then let's kind of dive into something that's been really buzzy the past month-ish. I mean, it's always, I think, been around, but the PR on AI has been crazy everywhere. My local news channel talking about it. So what do you all see? Jesse, what do you see as the future of AI? 
So to me, AI is going to be truly required for marketers on a move forward basis, because if we think about the sheer volume of activity that's happening online every minute, every hour, every day, the conversations, the emails, the content that is uploaded and downloaded and streamed, this activity is too much for a marketer to effectively be able to manage and to create personalized and meaningful experience. So AI will absolutely need to be leveraged and it's being leveraged by smart marketing teams today to really create those personalized experiences across the channels. And it's helping us move from traditional mass marketing, which has a really broad traditional segmentation to something much deeper, more data-driven. It's going to become more one-to-one and more personalized over time. We've been benefiting from this, Jen, for years. When we think about what's been happening from an ad bidding and targeting perspective, the ads are being served with sophisticated algorithms, leveraging absolutely amazing amounts of data from these platforms with little to no human intervention, which can be scary, I recognize. The segmentation is becoming easier today. So marketers are moving from dozens of segments to literally hundreds of segments. And the quality of each brand's first-party data cannot be underestimated. How it's leveraged is going to dramatically influence outcomes for brands today. And my vision of this is that we move to truly predictive marketing. So enabling us to create that hyper-relevant, personalized, one-to-one experience at every stage of this consumer decision journey. So that's the big benefit to us today. The challenge about some of the approaches that have been happening today is that historically, these personalization engines have been very time-consuming, resource-intensive, as well as expensive for brands to install. And they've required specialist teams to run these personalization engines. And, you know, to go back to Olivia's example of a Maserati, some of these personalization engines were literally like driving a Maserati. It was so complicated. So AI is going to make driving the Maserati much easier for the modern marketer. Thank you. Olivia, what do you think? So AI, I view it as an incredible tool to use. It's an asset. And it's I think it's scary, like Jesse said, for a lot and for a lot of reasons, but it's because I think we fear that it's gonna take over the process that we are able to make how we're able to make things as humans. So I see it as a tool and I see it as an asset because it makes our jobs and lives so much simpler to acquire information and to output information in a more streamlined one-to-one way. So when I'm thinking about AI or chat DPT, it's Mm -hmm. an incredible tool to use. And that's really all I see it as is something for us to expand our brands with, something to reach more customers with, but giving the ability to customize it. So the thing with luxury in general is 
luxury tends to move a little bit on the slower side of innovating things because they want to make sure that what they're doing is going to be in line with their messaging way more than ready to wear or fast fashion brands because they are so particular about and, and rightfully so <laughs> particular about the messaging that they're wanting to send to their people. So if I'm thinking about AI in creating relationships, I see it as incredible opportunities for marketing and email campaigning, incredible opportunities for targeting certain likes. Hi, I saw that you were checking out this, this, and this. Okay, let's take this information and send it off in an email to potentially have them buy. Great, incredible. It's another avenue, it's another arm, it's an extension as to what we can do that limits us as humans. Mm-hmm. So if we're taking this positivity and viewing it as an extension and an amazing arm, you still need to have that one-to-one human experience. So it's not taking away. I think that everything with this within this digital AI chat GPT universe that we're now <laughs> living is, is it's an opportunity for brands to reach more people and define who they're wanting to target and how they're targeting them. So if we're viewing it as something that's scary, I would just push back and say, it's not scary. It can be an incredible asset through your business and a tool for your customers to get more shows on on what you're trying to sell them. Yeah. Olivia, you, when we were chatting earlier about this, you called it, what was it? The new library, right? (laughs) Where you can just... So, elaborate on that because I love how you're like you can use it as a resource. You can use it for so many, you know, yeah. opportunities. And I see, I see AI as a again visual. I see AI as this massive library. Okay, so you walk into this incredible, beautiful library filled with an enormous amount of knowledge, and you're then able to not have to ask someone, (laughs) where do I find this? You don't have to, you know, sift through pages and pages and pages. I mean, I remember when I was writing papers and, you know, doing research for, for anything, when I first started my career, I had to go to a library or, you know, somewhere where you're having to physically write out where you found this book or where you cited this information. And now it's so simple to gather this information that it's a, I view it as a gift because I mean, hours and hours in libraries with research. And now you're telling me that I can just do it with a click of a button. Exceptional, incredible. Let's continue to do this. So I think it's more or less having an appreciation for the, the research and the time it took to do it a long, long time ago to how possible it is now. Jesse, would you like to add on to that? (laughs) I agree with this. I do think that AI is an amazing tool. It's going to require marketing organizations to fundamentally make shifts. It's going to change the dynamics of the staffing on our team. So a lot more data scientists, more data-driven decisions, more digitally-led approaches, and the teams working together in truly omni-channel ways. I would say that library has to be trained so that the machine is learning in the right way and the algorithm is operational for brands in the right way 
targeting the right consumers at the right time with the right message on the right device. And it's it's really a fascinating time that we're in. I think it's really exciting. What I would close with is that nothing can replace a beautiful high-touch in-store experience. I do believe that digital tools will continue to evolve. They'll be brought into store. The digital and physical worlds will continue to merge, to influence each other in powerful ways, with the ultimate goal being to bring the best experience to customers. And nothing can replace the branding power of a beautiful, elevated in-store experience. And that's something that I'm really proud of here at the Teak that we're successfully delivering. Olivia, what is your last notes, your last few words about experiential and in-store experiences, digital, all of that wrapped together? I agree with Jesse. There is nothing that can be an in-person experience. I think this whole world of AI, digital, online, everything is, I view it as another sales channel in complement to the in-person experience. It is something that brands have an opportunity to maximize on and you know, stop leaving so much money on the virtual table by learning the necessary tools to engage and most, mostly retain their customer base. Because you have, in, in luxury particularly, over 50% of a company's revenue is based on returning customers. And that's different from brand to brand, of course, upwards of 70% for some brands. So if we're thinking about ways of retaining and growing as a brand, you have to have an in-person experience that that's parallels online. And that can only be done with people who are in person showing you the beautiful labels like Jesse was talking about. I mean, I can't tell you coming from, you know, an the buying world originally, the time it takes a brand to get to a final product. It's like two years in the making. And so it is such a long, extensive time frame. And for it not to be capitalized on every single firing angle is an opportunity lost. And I think that that all stems from how you're treating your people and the experience you have in person. Digital, it's just how do we parallel it? How do we make it similar to an in-person experience. And with AI and technology, you can absolutely do that with the right training. Absolutely. So pretty much what I'm hearing is everything has to be cohesive, intentional, convenience, same messaging at the end of the day. It has to be. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. It was a pleasure to have you. Mickey, I don't know if you're behind the camera somewhere. Hopping back on, but it was great to have you both. And please, if you have any questions, we will share Jesse and Olivia's um, information. Feel free to LinkedIn them, LinkedIn me, and we'll get your question answered. We have we have yeah. a question though uh, from oh, Lisa Bond. I missed it. Okay. Yes. So hang on, let me see. But it's a real estate question. But let's have her ask. Okay. Lisa, <laughs> I've turned your mic on. Can you ask a question, Lisa Bionda? Hi, yes. Thank you so much. Great information. So I am a real estate agent and my market is a resort market. So we do have a lot of luxury. And I'm just wondering, how does that digital online experience look like for you guys when it comes to the real estate world? I can <laughs> 
really, really quickly. So when I'm thinking about luxury in general, luxury is a feeling. If you were to strip everything away from it, you can have a luxurious experience basically anywhere. If it's made you to feel special, to remember, you feel, you know, you're in a great situation. And in real estate, particularly when we work with hospitality brands, um, hotels, you know, luxury resorts, so on and so forth. When you're talking to customers online, I always ask, how expensive is a bad review for you? And how many bad reviews does it take for you to want to change your experience for your customer base? And a bot doesn't typically do that, especially in hospitality. So I would say to answer your question, how is it relevant? It's imperative for luxury level real estate and hospitality brands to understand that your customers want to feel very special and you have the power as a brand to emulate that online when they come and visit you, just like you would if they were to come into your real estate office. So upskilling yourself and and learning how to, to emulate that is is step number one. That's where I would where I would leave it. <laughs> okay. I believe that when you're posting these luxurious real estate listings, you want them to fall in love with the property via digital before they even set foot into that property physically. So perfect staging, gorgeous photography, beautiful copy, really thinking about all of the elements of that listing, how it's advertised, where it's advertised, and driving that love and demand before they even set foot inside. Because then once they do go physical and get inside of that listing, they're going to be even more in love. That would be my two cents. I'm not in real estate. But these are just my ideas as a digital person. I would just tag on to that storytelling and selling that dream, selling how you feel you're going to live in that home and that property. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Lisa. I just want to thank you, Jen and Jesse and Olivia. Excellent panel. And folks, you know, if you'd like to get in touch with Olivia and Jesse, yeah, you know, we'll pass along the contact details, but you can also connect with them on LinkedIn. And obviously, thank you again for your time today. And Jen, thank you for a wonderful panel. My pleasure.